0: Yeah, kid! Welcome, welcome, everybody, back to the uh, fifth episode of the Handsome Homebuyer Podcast. I am your handsome, charming, and charismatic host, Charles, a.k.a. the Handsome Homebuyer, buying, flipping, building all over Nassau County, Suffolk County, and the boroughs. I'm all hyped up today. It's Friday. It's a good day. I'm going like a bat out of hell. Some people snort for it, jab a vein for it. All you got to do is flip a house. High five over the mic with the guest. Boom. Today's guest is the man. I got to talk about my earliest memory of today's guest, right? So anybody who's, I'd say probably mid-30s and older is going to really appreciate this. So we're going to take this back to summer of 2004, right? Picture this for a minute. It's Sunday. It's warm. It's beautiful. I'm in Island Park. It's Patty McGee's, right? Girls are running around wearing a handkerchief and a piece of string as a shirt the Juice Heads are in full effect. All I hear in the back is a dss, 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 guido music. Bad tribal band tattoos everywhere. The Juice Heads have no shirts on. They're slamming their chests together like gorillas in the parking lot. So I'm there with John Healy, a.k.a. the world's most handsome man, uh, the father of the world's most handsome baby, the gentleman who inspired the handsome homebuyer brand. Shout out to John. He introduces me to his friend, this gentleman sitting across from me. Uh, They used to work together on Wall Street, and we're there. And I say, hi, we start bullshitting. The girls are everywhere. And then I turn around, and he stops talking to me, and I see it for the first time. The predator stare. First time I've ever seen it, never seen it the same way ever in my life. He looks, turns around, sees this smoking hot Latin girl with an ass you could stand a beer on, gives her the predator stare. She looks at him, smiles. And that was pretty much it. Now, obviously, he's he's a retired player. That was 100 years ago. That was a different lifetime from what I understand now. He has a lovely, young, beautiful, and many other great words that we don't have time to say. Girlfriend, who I'd love to meet. But that was the predator stare. And the reason why I talk about the predator stare is it has nothing to do with the women. It has to do with... The predator stare and the mentality behind that and how he uses that to attack everything in his life. In this case, the most important case, which is business. And because of that, he's all in, 100% grinding, balls to the walls kind of guy. And because of that, he has built multiple businesses. He was on Wall Street where he did very well. He's bought real estate. He's expanding his empire. He's a master of standard operating procedure. He has this awesome CEO mentality, which I which I try to model after because I'm running around like a madman trying to recommend and do everything which I can't. So I learn from him on a daily basis. Uh, with that, I want to introduce Richie. Rothar, The Predator. The retired Predator. What's up, yeah, man? Yeah,
1: good, man. How are you? <laughs>
0: good to have you, bro. What's going on? Not much.
1: So, excellent.
0: Richie owns a bunch of different businesses, most of them uh, out of Island Park, New York, where you were you were born and raised in Lido, right?
1: I was born and raised in Brooklyn. I moved to Lido at... What a uh, you. Uh, that's a big question mark. Everybody could be whatever I want. I'm yeah. kind of a chameleon. Yeah. Yeah. My uh, my ancestry DNA test Indian. came back with a big ring around the Mediterranean. So yeah, big, big country, you yeah.
0: could be Greek. You could be Spanish. You could be a number of different I things. I could be whatever I One want. One thing you are is good looking. That's for sure. <laughs>
1: Thank you. What color my, are the eyes? I'm colorblind. The eyes are hazel, but if I go outside, they make it a little lighter. Really?
0: Right. But I'm Italian. Now you're starting to get a little bit of the gray. Italian German. Yep. You look, German, like, yep, you look fucking pepper. distinguished as shit. You like <laughs> look like Clooney only better. i bullshit.
1: Thanks he flatters you at the beginning so it makes makes everything go smooth
0: I I, I soften it up before I slip it in I always spit on my hand (laughs) before I slip it in Anyway, so I, I want to kind of know that the the uh, progression, I know you started with John on um, Wall Street, Yep. Uh, and you were very successful at that, What er, right out of high school, I mean right out of college pretty much, right into yeah, Wall Yeah, pretty Street. much
1: during college, when I graduated high school, uh, I went to Nassau for a few years, I was helping my father at a car lot, I was selling used cars, valet parking, oh, really? I think I was making as much money then as I am now, I was valet parking at Patty McGee's, coincidentally. Nice! Yeah, uh, so... From there, I, I started on Wall Street. I got an internship at John Healy's uncle's company, which is, um, uh, he no longer works for, but we started there together. And- That's GFI, right? GFI, yeah. Okay. So, uh, I went to Baruch. During that time, and then I dropped out of Baruch when I realized it was more uh, productive for me to be drinking after work with the guys than going to, you know, Calculus 2 class. Well, that makes perfect sense. Yeah, so that's you know, in, in, in that retros- was the end of my college days.
0: But in retrospect now, we're thinking it would probably be better if we saved. I mean, I'm in the same boat. Sorry, Mom and Dad. Listen, I loved you for going, for sending me to college and paying for it. Uh, I was very blessed for that, but that was basically so I could surf as much as possible and not get a job. Yeah. So in, in retrospect, it would probably be better if we saved all that money and just said, fuck it, and started doing what we're doing now. Yep,
1: yep, which self-educated. Is a, which is
0: attempting and taking over the world.
1: Yeah.
0: <laughs> right? So you're on Wall Street. I mean, from, from what I see, understand, and just know of you as a person, very successful at it. And then something happened where you... You know, you made that leap, which I think is huge because there's a lot of people I know want to make that leap just from that corporate job or Wall Street or whatever it is. But you basically grabbed your balls and jumped.
1: Yeah. So what happens on Wall Street is everybody becomes a clinger. So you can make more money there as a loser than you can probably doing other things. So people just tend to cling onto that job out of fear. So when they, you know, used to make half a million bucks and now they're making a hundred grand, they're scared to death of making 40 grand. So they cling to that hundred thousand dollar job. And for me, that was just kind of distasteful. Is that the, is that kind of
0: what happens? What based on the market and what's going on? Based on the
1: market, based on as people get older, you know, they're,
0: it just kind of well, – what year did you start on Wall Street and then what year did you leave? Uh, I think I started in 2003. So that was like basically after the dot-com bubble burst and now we're like on the upswing into yeah. madness. Yes. Right? Yeah. So you kind of rode that whole wave of craziness where, you know, housing market's going nuts. People are just spending money. The yep. market was fucking insane, I'm sure, right? Yep.
1: Yep, I did credit derivatives for the better part of my career, which was kind of the great upswing right before it all just collapsed in 2008,
0: 2009. And when did you leave Wall Street?
1: 2009, January 2009.
0: Oh, so you basically went through all the madness, made as much money as possible, and then when the bottom fell out, you were like, all right, time to go. Yeah, Which is awesome. I mean, I'm sure there's guys that clung clung to that over the next two, three, four, five years, even till today. Yeah. You know, just out of fear. Yep. So, I mean... Okay, I want to talk about like what you got into right after that. But I mean, there's
1: a whole story about how I left Wall Street too. That's pretty involved and pretty is, entertaining. Is it entertaining? It is pretty entertaining.
0: All right, I'm all about entertainment. <laughs> that, that's all what right. we're about.
1: So let me see how I how I can you know I think enough time has passed.
0: But basically, the two okay. firms that I was no working, one's gonna get indicted off this. No,
1: I, I don't think so. <laughs> So the firm that I had originally started for, GFI, and then the other firm that I was working for at the time were in a massive legal battle over hundreds of millions or if not billions of dollars. They were basically trying to bankrupt each other. There was a defection of an A-team that- That was the strategy? Producing a lot of revenue that moved from the the GFI to the new firm that I was working for. Um, So there was a lot of blood in the water. I didn't get along with the guys that were running my desk, and I was asked to- testify on behalf of the other company so i did that and then they sued me and there was just a uh, entangled they sued legal you? web my employer sued me after that what yep
0: why uh, do we not want to talk about that we don't have. No,
1: to it was that. it was just something in the contract that they were able to to kind of you know take advantage of the expert you know lawyers here i mean the, the scum of the best scum of, of the scum i mean you know just that's expert manipulators
0: that's fucking insane yeah there had to be an awesome education within that. Though. It
1: was a huge... I feel like I went to law school. I mean, that was a, a high-level, you know, high-profile Wall Street uh, FINRA arbitration, and, and it really gave me an education that, you know, was parallel to, to you know, maybe a law degree from Toro or something.
0: I'm just talking about the whole Wall Street experience, because, I mean, one thing I really have to... I mean, I have to give you a lot of credit, but one thing I really have to give you credit for is you are a gangster salesman. Like, sales is really a lost art, in my opinion, and people have a negative... You know, view of salesman. I consider myself a, a classically sa- trained salesman. Uh, I learned from one of the best, in my opinion. But you are so you have the drive, but you sell like a fucking animal. That's true. Where did that come from? I mean, would you, obviously you're a charismatic guy. Like I'm sure you were always a charismatic yeah. guy. You know, hence the predator stare and Patty McGee's. But <laughs> do you feel like you know that developed it more, or you learned a lot? For, yeah, for it that? was.
1: You had to sell yourself. You had to, you had to put yourself in positions that were uncomfortable. You had to. Uh, you know, take from others. You know, you had to really make sure that you were eating, otherwise there was no place for you there. So you you had to make a name for yourself, otherwise it was pointless.
0: See, which is another thing you do. I mean, I'm going to be gassing up all (laughs) out. Um, but it's all truth. It's really how I feel. And I remember admiring you at different phases of our friendship for those reasons. Like you were the king of uncomfortable.
1: Yeah. Like I enjoy it. Like. That's what, that's what Healy would always say. I, I enjoy it's the crazy. world's most uncomfortable man, I think, is what he, he pinned me on one time.
0: I, I'm so happy where I feel like I've gotten to the point in my 30s, probably about 30, where, like, the world has no hold on me, meaning, like, I don't give a shit what you think about me. Like, oh, yeah. girl over there, let me talk to you. You don't like me? I don't care. Yeah. You know, I'm going to call this guy whose house is vacant. Oh, tell me to fuck myself? I don't care. Yeah. But you were that guy at right 23. Right out of the box. Yeah, it's true. You know, my earliest memory of you, like, you did not care. Yeah. How does
1: that happen? I, you know, it might have happened from my upbringing. I was raised by a single mother. She was very loving and, and a lot of focus towards me. So I kind of felt like there was never anything to lose, you know, and just the self-confidence. Me and my friends kind of dubbed it the lava. It's just burning. <laughs> it's the molten in the middle of your soul. It's not even your soul. It's deeper than that. But it's this, un you know, uh contested confidence that you have that can never be taken away from you no matter what if you're in a prison cell if you're you know if you're in the middle of the ocean alone or if you're just living day-to-day life you know
0: I mean and it pe- comes from the inside people like if you're gonna be in business if you want to be successful I mean that's that's number one because I mean I've had setbacks in business I'm sure you've had setbacks in business like mm-hmm. you have to be able to push through that and be like it doesn't matter what's going on like you have to be attached to the, the the process, not the outcome.
1: Yes, and you have to keep your emotions to the side.
0: And you have to know that as part of the process, there's going to be setbacks. You're like, all right, awesome. You know what? I got to fail you know, uh, three thousand times in, until I succeed. So you're like, I just failed. Awesome. Now I only have two thousand nine hundred ninety nine failures to go. Boom. Well, the,
1: for, for me, failure. You know, failure is only when you admit that it's failure. Otherwise, it's just a hiccup. You know, there is there is no failure unless you unless Good you blame. say, okay, if you don't give up, there's no failure. Perfect point. Just keep pushing forward.
0: No, that's that's amazing. Mm-hmm. So you said to yourself, you know what? It's time to go. It's time to leave Wall Street. So you're like, I want well, to. Well, I master. didn't
1: want to settle, you know. And I knew for the money they were offering me, I had gone from making a ton of money for a young kid to go, you know, to to being offered very average money. Were well, you so, living the
0: life of that guy in the movie? You're actually still kind of living. The life of that. Ne- you know what? Forget that. It Doesn't matter. It, I guess it never. I really wasn't ended. robbing
1: people, but yeah,
0: I mean, yeah, no. <laughs> so uh, you decide you want to leave Wall Street. You're thinking about the Wolf of Wall Street, right? I don't know. the moves. Oh, I wouldn't no. even put no, I wouldn't do that. <laughs> Come on. I love you. I do. I wouldn't, you know, nothing but respect. So you decide you're going to leave Wall Street. And at that point, you're like, I'm going to go into business. I'm going to be an entrepreneur.
1: Yeah. I, I actually researched. Uh, I made it my full time job. I was up with the sun every morning researching what business to start franchises, non franchise business, different sectors. So it came down to, you know, uh, restaurant service and then...
0: How long was that, did that process That take? was about a
1: three-month process.
0: I'm sure it was intensive too. It like- was
1: intense. I mean, I treated it like it was my job. You know, yeah. every day, what am I going to do? I had limited resources, uh, limited funds, limited time. And I knew I needed to make real money. You know, I didn't want, just want a job. You know, I was never going to settle for status quo. So what was I going to do that was a fit for my personality and that I could really, you know, strive for and, and achieve quickly?
0: Okay, that makes sense. And I remember you. I guess during that process, you had called me. I had owned a franchise at that point in time called Mako, like a little bit of Mako body shop on TV for you, uh, for you guys who don't know. And uh, you called me, and you're like, "Yo, what do you think of the franchise thing?" Right? Yep. That was during that period of time. And I have like I have like a love-hate thing with franchises, more hate at this point than love, but it really all depends on the person. I mean, I just happen to have a problem with authority, and I think that most franchises, not all, but most franchises agree for the franchisor, not the franchisee, and it's kind of like, you know, fuck you, pay me. Like, we're not doing well. Can you help me? No, fuck you, pay me. So, I mean, that's, that's my thing. And we had a conversation with that, and you ended up, it's interesting, because now you have both. You own multiple businesses. I want to talk about the first one first. So you ended up going the franchise route, which- I did. I get, because they're kind of proven. Like, what's the statistic? I'm trying to sound smart here, but I'm probably going to fuck this up. So, what is it? 10% of all businesses succeed if they're not franchises, but like 90%? Yeah, it skyrockets
1: once you once it's you enter into a franchise system.
0: Because they have standard operating procedure and a proven model, which I want to get into, because I consider uh, Richie to be like the master of standard operating procedure, especially from a guy who like hasn't, I don't know, did you really study it? You didn't study it. You just kind of did it. In practice, yeah. Innate, like you just did this kind of innate. Yeah, and one of the
1: benefits of the franchise I went with was they were super young, brand new, great concept. They were kind of exploding at the time. I was the first in New York. So I did help to kind of cultivate some of the standard operating procedure myself. So it wasn't as authoritative as buying a McDonald's where you have to do everything. You know, there was some room for some wiggle room. And having a problem with authority, I made sure that it was a a brand that uh, I can get behind as well, you know.
0: So you ended up – tell everybody pretty much, you know, what you do now and how you, you know, ended up choosing this particular franchise and and how you built it out in the process. So right now I have
1: a restaurant maintenance franchise called Hoods. um, And what we do is we do routine maintenance that's regulated by law. So that's predominantly hood cleaning uh, with some ancillary services for restaurants, institutional accounts, and it's a great
0: business, great business model. So basically, you operate at Allen Park. For anybody who doesn't understand exactly what that means, every restaurant, like break it down for the...
1: <laughs> yeah, so restaurants, uh, when they cook, the grease goes into the hood. That is uh, fire, fire hazard. So you have to clean that out every three months or so as regulated by the fire department. And so that's what we do. We go in there and we clean the hoods. Up.
0: What And the, what areas that you serve? You serve all Long Island and the boroughs? I mean, I know you're everywhere. I remember when you Pretty first... Pretty much Manhattan and Huntington. Okay. Yeah. Nice. Yeah. You know, I remember when you first started this thing, you were like... You were a man possessed, bro. Yeah. Like you were like, I don't give a shit. I'm going into the casino. I'm gonna stand there and like basically charismatically torture whoever makes a decision until they either buy or die and they don't look that sickly to me,
1: yep. basically. Yep, yep, exactly. And that was actually a fun time because I had the, you know, I had the the inspiration to do it. I had the time. I didn't have anything else. So I really enjoyed pounding the pavement, you know, knocking on doors. I mean, kind of uh, the business gets in the way of, of the sales as it matures a little bit.
0: So what was the thought process behind going with that? You're like, oh, there's a need. I remember, I mean, it made sense to me when we talked about it. Like, this is mandated by the government. It has to be done. These things have to be tagged. The fire marshal is somebody not Don't. to be fucked with. Yep. Especially with his handlebar mustache. Mm-hmm. <laughs>
1: Fuck. And his gun, because he needs a gun. Does he have a gun, those guys? Oh, yeah, They used
0: to come in the make- oh, Those guys are the- Worst. Yep. They are the worst. Yep. I can say that now. Unless you have
1: a hood cleaning business, then they're the best. Are they? <laughs> oh yeah, yeah because, because they they're just pro- pushing yeah, push push everybody to my corner. Exactly. Jesus Christ. But the, the ultimate, the business model is great, and I could talk about that, you know, forever. But the uh, the decision to go into that business as opposed to a different franchise was that I still had control over my destiny. So if you buy a store, you know, I don't know if you buy some edible arrangements franchise and people don't walk in the door. All right, you send more mailers out. People still don't walk There's nothing you can do. That makes sense. If I was going to fail, all I had to do was knock on more doors. Oh, so, it shit. was completely controlled. Okay, you, you went to 1,000 restaurants and you're still failing. Go to 3,000.
0: See how that works. I mean, that's sick. That's and that, that brings me to an interesting point, which I, I've had this conversation with friends of mine. And they're like, yo, I can't believe like you know, you're know you starting this business. You're doing this. You're doing that. You're like, that's super risky. And it's like, risky? I'm like, er? Yo, risky to me is you know, working for a company, trying to work for 30 years, and then when you get old and make too much money, they're like, ha ha, go F yourself. We're going to hire somebody for half of what you make. Like, you know, if Richie and I fail, we fail because we didn't work hard enough, you know. We fail because we stopped. If you don't stop, there's no failure. Exactly. And, you know, we control our own destiny versus if you're working for somebody else. And listen, not to knock people that work for corporations or whatever, to each his own, but to me, it's just, it's scary.
1: Yeah. Most people are scared by
0: going out there and hustling. I'm scared by the opposite. So you you know you built this crazy business and the the awesome part about it is like you've basically built it to the point. This is what I want to get into like the standard operating procedure stuff. So he's built it to the point where it essentially runs itself. Yeah, it does for the most part. I mean, yep. you manage the machine, let's yes. say, but like
1: you, you have to do maintenance to the machine. You still have to change the oil. You still have to you know check the oil every so often, make sure everything's topped off. You might have to order a part once in a while. But every day, you know, in the middle of winter, that that engine starts right up exactly. and runs by itself. Whether
0: you're surfing in the Dominican Republic, you know, or shooting down the Florida, check out or the or uh, another business, the Kelly Slater wave pool action, which we'll yeah. get to later. That's fucking awesome. Yeah, that was. Uh, you know, it starts up. So, I mean, how does that happen? There's there's something that we talked about that too. Haven't you and I had a shitload of conversations about this over the years? Yeah, pretty am much. I making that up in my head? No, yeah. All right, cool. I just want to make sure I'm remembering <laughs> it right. 36 years of drug and alcohol free living should be good for something (laughs) so Standard operating procedure. There's a book that I read a long time ago, which I, re- I think everybody should read. It's called The I Read the E Myth Revisited. I think it started out as The E Myth. It probably has like 500 versions since then. You ever read that? I have. Have you? Yep. Did I? Yeah. With
1: well, the cookie shop and then.
0: I oh, yeah. the cookies, yeah. Yes, exactly. So they say there's three different kinds of mentalities. There's, and I'm, hopefully I don't screw this up there's the worker mentality, the manager mentality, and then there's the entrepreneur mentality. And they say that a lot of businessmen get stuck in that micromanaging, either worker or manager mentality, and they never get to separate themselves so they're always like caught up in that grind and they can't build their business to the point where they can hire more people because they never make enough money because they're always stuck doing like the mundane shit that they should be paying somebody else to because they're comfortable making a certain amount of money and they don't want to take less to invest in the business to get to the next level. Whew, didn't even take a breath there. No yeah, fucking that was thing. it. That was the synopsis. of the Whew, you don't even need to read it now. Forget he, it. Save he, it. Save me safe the F bucks. He wasn't reading the back of the book there in case anybody's curious. Jesus, I am good, right? <laughs> so you... I mean, I implement that in my business now, but you implemented that in your business and it you basically can step away at any moment. Yeah. So, I mean, kind of talk about the process of you doing that, you know, how it started, what were the hiccups along the way? Yeah.
1: Um, I mean, hiccups along the way would take a whole day to fill. I mean, I, I grinded hard in the beginning, cleaning the hoods myself, which for anybody that doesn't know, it's at night, pressure washing in the cold. You? In a greasy kitchen. Oh, yeah. You know, for the first six months to a year, I couldn't find good help. So I always tried to hire at least two or three guys for the crew. But when, you know, one was drunk and the other didn't show up and you're left with <laughs> one helper, you have to get on the truck.
0: So you want to be a businessman.
1: Yep. So, you know, for those that have their nice, comfortable job, you know, this is something to think about when you want to jump to the other side. It's not easy, but it's worth it. It's worth it 10 times over. And, but even from the beginning, even on cleaning the hoods in the middle of the night, I always had the mentality of, you know, the 30,000 foot view and making sure that I was working on the business, not in the
0: business. No, that's super smart because they, you know, they say basically in that in that book, which I really think everybody should read, it's, it's a fantastic book. And, you know, even if you don't love to read, you should struggle through it because you'll learn a lot from it. But they say, like, listen, you got to go out there. You got to do every job yourself just so you understand it. And then mm-hmm. you write a manual and hire somebody to replace yourself. Yes. And that's how you build it out. Yeah. You know, the cool thing for me and for Rich also is, like, as much as I say I don't like franchises – Having that already in place for you and then kind of watching it real time is a very powerful thing to then take that to the next level.
1: Yeah, it's also very easy to look back and say, oh, I could have done it without the franchise, but that's usually never the case.
0: You don't think we could have done it without the franchise?
1: Uh, I could could have done it without the franchise.
0: I think so. I believe so, too. It might have taken a little bit longer. It might have been a little bit harder. A little more
1: hiccups, a little more, you know. But
0: I I think it basically just comes down to your, you know, the the predator mentality of it's going to get fucking done. You know, like it's going to get done. Failure is not an option, basically. Yeah. So, you're in, how long have you been in hoods for? How long have you been in hoods for?
1: I think uh, it's over six years now.
0: Yeah, so four years into it, you get the itch, you want to start your. Oh, by the way, before we go there, yo, anybody got a restaurant? This is the guy you need. You have hoods, you need them clean, there's no one better to do it. What's your phone number? Throw that out there.
1: 516 442 2262.
0: Say that again, and slow it down.
1: 516 442 2262. That's the office number. You can speak to Donna Marie, my manager. She'll get you set up right away.
0: Awesome. So, you're, how long has LB Wake been open for? LB Wake, we're, we just finished our second season. Not to So this is awesome. So Rich has a successful business. It's pretty much you know running itself for the most part. He's got that kind of top-down CEO mentality, which I want to talk about uh, in a minute too, which kind of inspires me, which I'm trying to, to always push towards as I build out my own business. And then you decide to open LB, uh, LB Wake, which is awesome. Yeah. So, explain to everybody what LB Wake does, where it's based out of. I mean, this is yep. just a good fucking time.
1: Yeah, LB Wake is a great time. It's 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 my passion to a certain extent, and um, it's just really fun. So what what it is is uh, jet ski rental, flyboarding, wake surfing, what private is, island parties. What's Flyboarding is you strap yourself into some boots that have a fire hose goes back to the jet ski, and you're basically forty feet in the air standing on two columns of water. That's fucking awesome. Ten years ago, you would think this is you know it's unbelievable, and today it's a reality. So um, we do a bunch of stuff. Basically, every water sport, you know, from stand up paddle, we have we have the scootins there doing stand up paddle lessons. Uh, We have fishing boats that we rent, small fishing boats. So it is really the water sports capital of the East. There's nobody that offers all those uh, services under underwater. Dude,
0: that business is going to be huge, too, because Long Beach is blowing and up. And Long
1: Beach is blowing up, and my, my heart's in Long Beach. I, mean, I went to school there. If you ask me where I'm from and you want the short answer, it'd be Long Beach, you know?
0: Yeah. Well, Lido and Long Beach are kind of like the same yeah, thing, same right? Team. Same schools, right? Same school. Yeah,
1: so... And now I'm in Island Park, Long Beach North, for the real estate people out there.
0: So, uh, I mean, how did that happen? I mean, how did LB Wake happen? The inspiration to it. I mean, and now you have you know you use the same kind of model, but now you have a business that's not a franchise and your business that's a franchise. You know, how do they relate? Compare. Well, you know, the
1: the, the, stand, the operating procedure. You have to set up systems. You have to hire people, train them, and it's, that's the same you no know, no matter what business you're in.
0: So I mean, but where where does the idea from LB Wake come from? And then you're like, I remember you called me you're like, bro, and open up LB Wake, and then all of a sudden you're like, I'm getting a like I'm building a trailer that's like fucking 50 feet long and we're putting this big sign on and I'm running by the boardwalk and I'm like, holy shit, this guy really did it. Like, that's the original, like Rich has an idea and he's just like, we're just doing this. Like there's no thinking about (laughs) it. No thinking.
1: You can't think. Thinking gets in the way.
0: Yeah, I mean, and, I, you know, you make mistakes along the way, but,
1: the, you know, they always, there's always some value in your mistakes, whether it's learning or, you know. I, I kinda, Sometimes you make a mistake and then you edit that mistake and it actually becomes something else that's even better. So. Just,
0: just as long as you're moving towards as something. As long as you're moving. Yes. You got to keep moving, like, that, a, like a shark, you know. Yeah, like if it, <laughs> fitting. That makes sense. <laughs> fitting. So, I mean, yeah, I guess it, it, it makes sense. If you're always moving towards something, shit's going to happen. It's going to be good, it's going to be bad, but it's going to get you somewhere if you keep going. If you don't do anything, you're guaranteed for nothing to happen. Yeah, as
1: long as you're moving and, and you're willing to pivot a little bit, you know, you're going to be all good.
0: So, I mean, what happens? you surf for one day and you're like, oh, fuck, you it, know what? It happened when I, I got I got
1: a boat that you could surf off the back and I wanted to get the better boat that was, you know, way out of my budget and really is not a practical boat to own because it's just not meant for salt water and some other reasons. So, um... And also, you know, you know, anybody that has a boat knows the deal. All your friends come on the boat, they they thank you, and then they expect you to clean up all their beer cans and pay for their gas. And nice. so that's that's boat ownership. So after doing that for a few years, you know, buddy of mine and myself uh, got together and we're like, man, we got to start charging people, our friends. You know what? The hell with our friends. Let's just start charging strangers. And that was that was the uh, idea. And then he, uh, his name's Shit. Paul Poopa. He's he's Necessity. a great entrepreneur too. I'll give a shout out to him. But he came well, up with the me. jet ski idea. And we combined the jet skis and and the boat and some other services, and it kind of took off.
0: Shit! So this is this—you just finished your second summer, right?
1: This is our second season that we just passed, yeah.
0: And every year, I mean, you're building out. But you you bought more equipment. You're constantly.
1: Yep, we signed a you know, lease on a really nice property. Uh, we did a whole you know leasehold outfit uh, to the property. We have a surf shop there. There's a food truck. There's stand up paddle. There's a bait shack. Oh, shit. There is. Um, there's a whole bunch going on, on the property. It's really a scene in the summer. You know, News Twelve was out there this summer, and no was, shit, yeah, it was fire. We got a summer camp that goes on there in certain days. So
0: that's awesome. It's really fun. Nice, that yeah. is fr- so. And the whole time, so how do you? So now you have multiple businesses, right? On top yeah. of the fact that Rich owns real estate, which we'll get into later. Also, I mean, Rich pretty much is doing everything at 150 miles an hour, except, <laughs> s- except sleeping. Probably. Yeah. Do you sleep? Uh, sometimes. How many hours a night you think? Uh, let's say six. Yeah, I'm yeah, you and I. are yeah. Right there. Like Arnold says. You sleep six hours and then you have eighteen hours to do everything else, yeah. right? So now now you have two businesses and, and for the most part all summer, like you're a ghost. I'm like, dude, let's like let's do this and do that. You're like, listen, I'm I'm running this business, I'm in on the well, park, I'm on the water all summer. Yeah, well the
1: first summer, like in hood cleaning when I was out cleaning hoods at night, the first summer I was on the water every single day. Literally on a jet ski, on the water, solving problems, greeting customers, working in the business. Second summer, I took more of a management position, but still working in the business. So hopefully with the third and fourth season, I'll get that CEO perspective that, that Charles had mentioned and be able to work more on the business, on future things. We have some really exciting stuff coming up that I like to work on, you know, future projects rather than work in the business. Can we talk about the future projects?
0: Yeah, I have a... Well, uh, why don't you tell everybody where LB Wake is, how they can get a hold of you, website, check LB it out. LB Wake it's is... It's really sick.
1: In Island Park, and um, ironically, it's... It's right next to the 7-Eleven in Island Park on the water on the left, about two blocks south of Pete's Clam Bar, which is an iconic restaurant everybody should know. It's 10 Broadway. The phone number is 516-415-0005. You can follow us on Instagram, Facebook. I think Instagram's LB underscore Wake. Facebook is Long Beach Wake. Facebook uh, forward slash Long Beach Wake. So come down and see us in the summer. Follow us on social media. It's a great time.
0: Yeah, no, he put some great videos together. It, it really looks like a blast. I haven't been down there yet because I haven't really been invited, which, you know, makes me a little bit sad, but hopefully, That's hopefully, a lie, but... <laughs> hopefully after this, I'll uh, I'll get the invite. So so now- I'm, I'm inviting
1: you now for next summer. Bam, so, yeah, you've, you've heard you it. The,
0: the world has heard it because I feel like we could be global at this point, Yeah, right? So the world has heard it, so I'll be there. So then talk basically talk to me about how you do now. Now you're managing multiple businesses. You're, you're there, but Hoods is still pumping. Yeah. So it's
1: all about leverage, just like you know, big finance guys would talk to you about. You have to leverage your money. I have to leverage my time. So if I have a two-minute conversation with a manager at Hoods, I expect to, that to be as productive as possible. And I literally am short. You know, not never rude, but always short, and that kind of keeps people cognizant of how valuable your time is. And and there's a lot of stuff that
0: you know, a lot of fat that they can cut. Do you so, have Do you have a way that you set that up? Like the night before. Do you? I mean, because time is the biggest, yeah. is the most valuable thing. You can't buy any more, but 100%. you can't get any of it. You know, we're none of us are getting any younger. So, the night before, do you kind of like make notes? Do you schedule out your day? Do you have an assistant. Like, how do you yeah, manage I, that?
1: I have. I don't have a personal assistant, but I have a great company manager um, that reports to me throughout the day in short spurts. So, most of the stuff uh, is not imperative or not even important enough for me to be aware of and your employees will learn that over time when you set that precedent and you give them a little freedom to handle stuff you know you'd be surprised at at how well people do it might not be the exact same decisions that you make but you know it doesn't really matter
0: okay uh I want to kind of talk about, I mean, your just guerrilla marketing tactics, I feel like. Yeah. I and mean, you and I, like, Richie and I are like freaking kindred spirits. Like, I'm out there on a Sunday at 11 o'clock at night. My girlfriend at the time is thinking I'm having another, have another girlfriend. And I'm standing outside with a sign stapler thinking I'm like, yeah, no one's got a sign stapler blasting, you know, we buy houses, cash signs illegally into poles all over the place, hopefully without a cop seeing me and taking me 1100 bucks per fucking sign. Um, and then who drives by? Richie's like, oh shit, that's awesome because usually I stand on the roof of my truck and I do the same thing. (laughs) So, I mean, you just, I feel like you have a lot of kind of like unique and different uh, guerrilla marketing tactics. I want you to kind of talk about that because I feel like it could apply to, to any business.
1: Yeah, there's a lot of ways to get your name out there, especially nowadays, you know, there's so many ways to get your name out there that are real cost effective. Um... What I find really works is kind of a transit advertising approach, but w- without buying the actual transit advertising. So that's that could be a mobile billboard you tow behind your truck. It could be uh, paying for all your friends and, and employees to get their, their trucks wrapped or the tailgates wrapped in some really cool design that they don't mind having on their truck. It could be uh, making a 28-foot long, 10-foot high, ridiculous billboard and putting it in not so conspicuous places until people get really upset. How do you? Yeah, how do you get away with that? And then, well, once it gets uh, impounded twice, then you start putting it in Island Park. You don't bring it to Long Beach anymore. I feel like, dude, you're like, you're,
0: you're, you, have, you should have juice over there.
1: Yeah. You. You just. You know. You, you kind of just push until until somebody pushes back.
0: All right. That makes. I mean, that's sick advice. Yeah. You can't really beat that. So, because I've, I've ran, ran on the boardwalk. I like to run on the boardwalk. And I'm like, boom, there he is. And I'm snapping pictures of it and people are stopping to look at it. And then yeah. what, it just gets impounded?
1: Yeah, it got impounded a couple of times. But I put it, you know, I put it like really egregiously right off the main road as people were walking. Because that street that lets off the train along is about 15,000 people a day on a busy summer day. Yeah. So I wanted to capitalize on that. So it was worth it. You know, you one ever, impound fee. And You ever get hot no and naked deal. girls
0: just stand there handing out flyers? Yeah, we've done that a bunch.
1: That, that definitely works. Did that
0: convert? Yeah. That worked? Yeah. I mean, you know what it is? You just, you got to think, I mean, I guess sex sells regardless, yeah. right? But you got to think outside the Especially box.
1: Especially when you have a beach summer type business, you know?
0: Yeah, no, that's true. That makes sense. I mean, I was just, yeah, it just popped into my mind. I mean, you just, you have to think outside the box. I mean, do you have any other unique things you do via, like, I know social media is huge now. I've really been hitting social well, media we hard. We make
1: some really cool edits that we put on social media. Uh, sometimes we play them in bars and restaurants around town.
0: Nice.
1: Um, you know, street signs, posters, all my stuff is really cool and kind of artsy looking so, it draws attention. It's really nice.
0: Do you feel – so, where's your – I don't know if you track this kind of thing, but your clientele, where do they come from?
1: Uh, the boroughs mostly all over, a little bit of everywhere, but a lot of a lot of city people. I think it's a real real novelty for them to come out and jet ski, you know.
0: So, I mean, I, I think – and this is something I think a lot of business people struggle with, and I struggled with this when I was in my previous business. This one's a little bit different. But it's like, all right, when you have – you know, based on your price point, when you have such a large area to draw from, how do you maximize that? Like, you know, you have X amount of dollar uh, marketing budget and it's not like, you know, like my boy Val owns uh, Isle of Kickboxing in Long Beach, right? Yeah. The only people that are going to Isle of Kickboxing in Long Beach are people that live in Long Beach Makes or Isle very of Kickboxing, right? Which I'm thinking, I'm like, this is sick. You just saturate the shit out of the area so that, like, like Joyce Coletti, the realtor, like you can't take a shit without seeing her face on the stall in the bathroom. Yeah. Like she's there. Yeah. Same kind of thing. Now, different business, startup, minimal capital, right? Startup yeah. business, bootstrapping everything I've done. What do you do?
1: Well. You know, the first, you know, the cost to acquire a customer is so important and, and the repeat customer is is where it's at. Because once you have a customer, so much cheaper not to lose them than to, to get another customer. So one of the things Dude, we that do that right was, there
0: is huge.
1: Yeah. Like, so I don't think
0: people get that.
1: That, that I mean, losing a... And that's, you know, we're in a business where safety is paramount. So it's not a situation where the customer is always right. I mean, if anybody's been to LB Wake and given us a little bit of an attitude about signing a waiver or watching a safety video, they'll know how, how hard we bite back. But you know, that kind of authoritative atmosphere, customers really like it. And they come back and they tell their friends. So I find the people that are already there are your best avenue to get more people there.
0: Yeah, I mean, you've spent the money to get these people to come down. Now they're there. A, they'll come back and they'll refer you. You yep. know, if somebody hates you, they'll freaking tell a million people. If someone loves you, they'll tell maybe two. Yeah. Right? So I don't think people focus on that. Plus, I mean, you you know, then market to those people.
1: Yeah. Yeah. Give them discounts to come back, give them incentives.
0: You have a lot of repeat business? A ton of repeat business, yeah. yeah. Having
1: multiple activities, you know, or a little different. Hey, we came last time, you know, now we want to come back and do something slightly different.
0: Huh. No, that's interesting. So, yeah. before we got in the air. And,
1: and Google. Google's huge, you know.
0: Is that you doing a lot of pay-per-click stuff? Yeah.
1: We tried Facebook, Instagram, as far as pay for advertising on those two didn't really work as well. Our organic Facebook and Instagram is awesome. People love it. You know whoever yeah. put out organic. But as far as, as paid advertising online, Google's is, is working really well for us.
0: Yeah, no, and I, you know what it really it really depends on the business. Like we were talking about yesterday, that that stuff doesn't work for me. You yeah. know, I've tried it, it just doesn't work. But to me, like just putting out a ton of content, all of a sudden I just see it it starting to flow. Yeah. So I guess it's kinda like, you know what, you there's no guarantee. You can't be like, oh, I did something for freaking a month or two weeks or whatever, I'm like, oh, it doesn't you have to test it. You have to quantify it and you then have, have to try measure different it. shit. Exactly. It gets measured, it gets managed. It's, that was clever. Really. <laughs> Where, uh, but it's true. No, it's 100% right. But, you know, people and just... And you got
1: to do it all. You got to try everything. I mean, you got so to be willing to waste some money to learn, you know?
0: and That's what it is. So with advertising, like, you got to know you're throwing away probably half the money at any given time. Yep. You just don't know what half it is. But, you know, you, you got to do it. And I think you got to set yourself... I mean... You got to set yourself up. I mean, you don't have to be as extreme as me. Like, Richie's laughing at me before because I'm like, yo, I live in an $1,100 a month studio apartment and I drive a $189 car. He's No, laughing I'm at me laughing like, really because dude, I just moved out of my studio two months ago. I've, been I've doing the same thing. I mean, great minds think alike. Yeah. So, it does, if you invest in the business, if you invest in the business and you make the sacrifice, this is a great saying. What the fuck is that saying? Uh, you got to be willing to sacrifice who you are today to who you'll become in the future.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: Right? So, if you can just kind of curtail those material things for five minutes and invest in the business... It, it's going to go somewhere Yep In the long term It makes more sense So before we got on the air We were talking about Your uh, your next possible uh, Business venture Which is uh, I said you should bring A wave pool To Long Beach
1: That will be amazing That is kind of Probably a life aspiration I say around. we do it Yeah
0: That's like Guarantee well, we buying the jets Yep You're going to bring A wave pool to Long Beach
1: Yep We should do it together We'll get the real estate Aspect covered
0: Dude, I, let, I I would we'll get, do that. We'll
1: get some rights to the bay, so we don't have to build a pool. We got to figure out if it natural makes money. We
0: got to fi- see. That was freaking brilliant. Yeah. Do you think that could work?
1: Yeah, I think properties are, you know, so expensive and probably prohibitively around here. So instead of getting a wave pool, you know, all the way out east or in the middle of Jersey somewhere, we should do one in the bay that's just this pristine
0: natural resource that's untapped. Everybody in the podcast is going to hate you because you're banging on the counter and kicking the garbage can. I think it echoes through the fucking mic. You're yeah, the boom, that's, boom, that's my uh, boom. that's my energy. That's the, the people
1: in my head trying to come out through It's the passion.
0: My you got to feel the passion yeah. through the microphone. So... Um, yeah, no, I mean, that's fucking brilliant. I mean, I don't know if those things make money. I think we got to sit down and really think about it, but it would be kick-ass well, if Well, the first
1: one just opened in Texas uh, about a week
0: ago. Is that Kelly Slater's?
1: No, Kelly Slater's is kind of just a, a template
0: right now. Are they, well, you went down to the you went down to that thing in Florida. What was
1: yeah? That? I went down to kind of uh, a seminar with all the great minds in the in the wave pool industry we got together and just discussed the future of the industry. And you know, with the Olympics, it's just a great time for surfing and for man made waves in general. And you know, a big part of LBW is the man made wave behind the boat. So we're already there, you know, in that aspect. So no, that's
0: I mean, and that's another thing that you do that's awesome. That I feel like not a lot of people don't do is like you're 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 super curious, inquisitive all the time. And you just, you go and you learn things, you take classes, you you know, you're willing to fly across the country to check that out for two days just because there's going to be great progressive thinkers there. You're going to get new ideas. Like you're going to learn something. Like yep. you got, you invest in yourself in, you know, classic ways and, and non-conventional ways also. Yes. You know, which is, which is. And you can't
1: do that when you're working in your business, when you have a job. Exactly. You mm-hmm. need the freedom to be able to move
0: forward. So, I mean, for somebody who's, you know, stuck basically in their business they've essentially bought themselves a job they might be making good money but they essentially bought themselves yeah. a job what is your advice to them on the first step second step third step to kind of separate you've got
1: to, hiring is key and it's the most difficult thing hiring and managing are the are the the biggest hurdles you'll have to overcome so like anything else you just have to do it often to get better at it so I would say always be hiring if you're the manager of your business you should have a trainee right next to you at all times it might take you fifty trainees that only lasted a month each. And it might take you five years to get out of that management position. But Yeah. Yeah.
0: <laughs> <laughs> Keep going. I don't want to disrupt the flow.
1: Um so that's it. You constantly have to have new trainees. You know, hiring has to be at the forefront of your mind at all times. And you can't get discouraged because hiring sucks. People suck. There's not there's, it's very hard to find the right person for the right job.
0: But they exist.
1: But they exist and you have to find them. And that's, you know, you got to put that legwork in to move forward.
0: No, that's that's awesome. And basically, again, like like with anything else, you just you just you don't stop. It's yeah. not failure at setbacks. Oh, you have someone there; they were working for two months. Oh, they were stealing from you. Oh, they weren't showing up. Oh, they have issues with customers. Whatever it is, just keep it going. Get them out. Get the next person. Yeah. Keep it going. Stop
1: acting surprised and hire the next guy.
0: Exactly. Exactly. So then at that point, you have you're like rich. You have one successful business. Now you have a second successful business, and you're on your way to, to taking over the world. Uh, I guess kind of as a as a final thing, just to guys who want to be entrepreneurs out there who haven't. You know, taking the leap. Who are sitting there right now, listening behind the desk? They work here. They work there. They're in corporate America. You know, what kind of advice could you give them on taking the first steps and what they should do? Uh,
1: I would, I would do research and see what's a fit for you. See whatever, whatever you're good at. You have to do what you know. So take whatever you know, whatever your passion is, and evolve on that.
0: Well, that makes sense. But at the same time, I guess it's like. Don't be afraid to learn something new, but you have to love it.
1: You got to do so. Yeah. I mean, I didn't know anything about hood cleaning and I didn't love it, but the the passion was for the business and I knew yeah. it was repeat. So I had a passion in building the business. It doesn't have to be the passion for what you're producing. Yeah. You know, nope. It doesn't have to be the passion to make pizza. It's going to be the passion to build the best pizzeria out there with the greatest ambiance or, or something like that. You
0: know. No, oh, that's awesome. You're here. Well said. So with that, we're going to wrap it up. I'm going to give myself a shameless plug. Once again, I'm Charles the Handsome Homebuyer. Check us out on YouTube. Check us out on social media, on Instagram. It's handsome underscore homebuyer. On Facebook, it's handsome space Home buyer, uh, if you have a house that smells like cat piss, is dated from the 1960s, got mold, mildew, biker gang squatters, human feces floating past the basement steps, I want your house. If you're behind on your mortgage, if you haven't paid your taxes, if your house is, if you paid a lot more than your house is worth today, I want your house. I can help you. How do you get in touch with me? 516-777-sold. Realtors, I'm your guy. Like I say, I'm going to treat you so good, you're never going to want to let me go. Call me, email me, Charles at handsome. That's right. Handsome as in good looking, which I am and our guest singular, no com, or you can hit me on the same line 516-777-SOLD. That's a wrap. Number five in the books.